Welcome to a little juju podcast. This is the podcast all about black ass spirituality and spiritual practices, honoring our ancestors, honoring ourselves and our gifts and getting free. Period. We have another interview episode today, which I'm very excited for with none other than Alafia. And if you know, you know. <laughs> so let's get into the show. Welcome. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Camfer no say. And I'll never give it play. I'll take your photos to the grave But that ain't even my thing I just stay at the crossroads, pray I just pour a little honey from a bay To make them stay Cause I hate when bay leaves But I manifest a little with my bay leaves I'm my ancestors, baby So I give them everything that they gave me back another week. Um, I hope y'all are doing well. I'm doing well. I'm feeling good yet again. I've been really happy and just so, I've just been overjoyed with the feedback from the last uh, couple podcasts just from, um, you know, the one with my Baba and then Ia and then we have another Ia, Alafia. And it's just the outpouring of love from y'all has been like, whoa. But I'm just so happy that y'all enjoying it. I'm so happy that folks are feeling like they're getting the information that they need. And, you know, we're talking about the Orisha. We're talking about people who have been in the tradition for a while. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful to you all for consistently reminding me and showing me that what I'm doing is being received and that it's helpful and that you feel like I'm engaging in an ATR Specifically right now, you know, Orisha tradition is possible for you or something that you see yourself doing. And that makes me happy. That makes me happy. So I think one of the biggest lessons right now and something that's been on my mind a lot is boundaries and how difficult it is to set boundaries, how difficult it is to say no, especially I think as I'm growing, you know, as a healer and I'm growing as... Um, someone that people come to, you know, and recognize as someone who may be able to help them in some way spiritually, that means that a lot of, a lot is being required of me at this time. And so trying to balance, okay, I know that I have to give myself, like I know that is part of my destiny to give pieces of me. And I also know that I can't give myself to everyone at any time, you know, so working through How do I say, like, actually, I can't, you know, do an emergency divination for you or like I can't actually, um, you know, have a one on one session with you right now for free or, you know, like there's just certain things that I I can't give. and, And I have a lot of anxiety around that. And I think, you know, as a black woman, I think that's something that black women experience a lot um just feeling like they have to keep giving and giving and giving so I'm really at a process of like okay this is what I can give this is what I can't 
And this is me saying no and it's okay to say no and it doesn't have to bring any anxiety to me to say no. Like it does, but just working through that anxiety of like feeling like you have to give. So I just want to, you know, shout out people and let's remind you. And this also comes up in divination a lot. I learned so much about myself when I divine for others because I swear the ancestors be talking to me as they're also talking to my <laughs> my clients. But, you know, I, what comes up in divination a lot for a lot of people is, ooh, child, you have been doing everything that everybody wants you to do and you ain't been doing nothing of what you want to do. You have been doing everything that everybody asks of you and you don't ask nothing from nobody. You know, that consistently comes up for a lot of people, specifically when I'm reading black women. I read majority black women. It is a common ancestral, like, you know, comment that's coming up. So I'm just sending a little reminder that, you know, set boundaries. It's okay to say no. Saying no to yourself, saying no to someone is saying yes to yourself. You can't do everything. And what I'm also remembering, what my therapist told me yesterday is that people are resilient more than they are fragile. And what that means is, is just that, you know, folks will come to you and say like they need something, you know, right away. Like it's urgent. It's a crisis. It's necessary. And so often we will drop everything and go to do this thing. When we actually haven't thought about, is this something that I can do? Is this something that I would even be able to perform well? Is this something that I need to be doing right now? Is it possible for me? We'll just go. And then we end up being depleted. And so though some things might be a crisis for someone, essentially people have the the power and gifts and tools to be able to get through their things until someone can help them. We've been dealing with a whole bunch of shit for our whole lives. We have coping mechanisms. We have skills. They might not be the best. They might not be great skills, but we have skills in order to deal with what we're going through. So just because someone comes to you in a moment and they're like, oh my God, I really need you right now. If you have the capacity, sure. If you don't, trust that, again, people are more resilient than they are fragile. We were built to be resilient. We were built to be able to deal with things that come up for ourselves. That's just what it is. And so we have to be really careful about, I mean, and including me, I have to be, well, I got to be careful about some other things, but I have to be careful around, you know, what is my urgency? Who do I want to stop everything for me? You know, I, I can't have everyone stop everything for me. People have their own lives and their own experiences and we are in community with each other. We are supposed to help each other. We are supposed to love on each other. And so that is crucial and we have to be really clear about respecting people's boundaries but people can't respect your boundaries if you don't set them that's it it's nobody else's fault (laughs) but your own if people take advantage of your boundaries that you haven't set because they don't know or they could assume but you haven't named it so if this feels like you you feel like you need to get better with boundaries this is a way to do that. Also, um, I have something in my Instagram. Maybe I can put like a link to this post in my show notes on how to best set boundaries. It's a really good kind of uh, framework to just name like this is what I need. So this is what I can do. This is what I can't do, etc. You know, so uh, anyway, that was my little rant. I guess that's my heal yourself for today since we haven't had a full 
a full show in a while. Next ep- next episode will be a show with us, like, you know, talking about things. And I think I want to talk about the ancestors again. But today is all about Alafia. Today is all about the Orisha again. And mm, child, y'all going to be like, gag at this episode because Alafia really gave it to us. <laughs> she really gave it to us. So before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about how you can help support this podcast that you all love so much all you need is a little juju okay so a little juju podcast is hosted edited for the most part sometimes i do have an editor shout out to royal and mariah um produced executed everything by me juju And so it takes a lot of labor to create this content, create this show, do the interviews, write out my script, etc. So I would love and I'm always asking for donations to be able to sustain this work. So there's a few ways to sustain a little Juju podcast. The first way is a monetary way and it is through Patreon. So patreon.com slash Jujube is one way to give uh, consecutively and consistently to the podcast. So the first of every month, I ask for $3 a month and it just comes directly out of your account. Um, That's $36 a year. And it goes towards putting the show together. It goes towards um, upkeep of like different materials. It goes towards, um, I can't think of the, oh, electronics. It goes towards everything. I also want to say thank you so much to folks who donated to me to be able to get to New York to go to Pod and Live, which is put on by the podcast Tea with Queen and Jay. And well, the the folks from Tea with Queen and Jay, tea, uh, Queen and Jay, I put on Pod and Live and I got so many donations. So I'm able to go to New York and network with other black podcasters. This is one of the biggest podcasting events in the universe, in the galaxy. And I'm able to go because you all um, helped me be able to do that. So that those are the kinds of things that, you know, when you donate to this podcast, it goes towards me being able to build myself up as a podcaster and the different materials and tools that I need to continue to put out this podcast. So yes, one of the ways you can do that again is through Patreon. And so uh, right now I want to shout out my new patrons that I got. I got a good amount of patrons this week. So shout out to April. Shout out to Amira Moore, who was already a patron, but upped their pledge. So thank you, Amira. Um, I'd also like to shout out Joy George, uh, Jennifer Linear, Nicole Carradine, or Cardine, Yvette Dupree, uh, Marcel S, Olivia McNeil, Renee Sills, Melanie, David, Erica Watkins, Elatisha Bush. Elatisha, I hope I got your name right, boo. Taylor, um, Evelyn, Tanya Hunter. Ooh, child, I started reading the names over again. I, I'm just so happy. <laughs> Those who have Patreon know, like how Patreon puts it up there sometimes is kind of weird. But yes, I just want to send all my love to you all. I'm so grateful and thankful for you all just becoming patrons, for upping your pledges, uh, for just committing to sharing your $3 a month with me. It, it is, it does not go unnoticed. It does not go unfelt. And so I'm sending you all the good juju. 
back so that all the money that you send me is flipped like very quick. Okay, so that's the first way to donate. The second way to donate or sustain this podcast is another monetary way. That is through Cash App or PayPal. People love to hit me up on the Cash App. Really appreciate that. Um, as well as the PayPal. The PayPal gets some love into um, my cash app is dollar sign I T S J U J U B A E. And, uh, my PayPal is the jujubay at gmail.com. My email, all of this information will be in the show notes, of course. And so I'm also sending love to everyone who came through on the cash app for me to be able to go to New York and just also just send me love. Like just was listening to your podcast. Here goes $5. Cause I appreciate you all of that. I <laughs> appreciate y'all so much. Y'all don't even know how much of a help it is. Don't even know how much of a help. So thank you. Last way to help sustain and support the podcast is through talking about it, through letting people know, through tagging me in different posts on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or saying, oh my God, I love this podcast. Y'all should check it out. You can also subscribe to the show on whatever platform that you're listening to. Really appreciate for folks to um, write reviews on Apple Podcasts, all of the wonderful things that that y'all send me in DMs. It's really helpful if you also can write those things in Apple Podcast reviews, rate five stars on Apple or whatever platform that you're on, heart on SoundCloud, you know, leave comments, all of that sort of gets the word out, gets out the good juju gospel. So thank you so much for those folks who have donated and sustained and helped sustain this work. This is, you know, our collective work. So I'm deeply, deeply, deeply grateful for for all of you, um, for all of the love, for all of the support, for all of the keep going. We see you, sis. We got you, sis. You know that this is it's about community. It is it is. I could only do this work, and I I only do this work for my community. I don't do it for no other reason. <laughs> so, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for accepting me in your community, and thank you for loving on me. I'm loving on you right back. Um, and now I think we're ready to get into this interview. All you need is a little juju. So our interview today is with none other than Alafia. And Alafia is one of the first people that I came into contact with when I knew that something was calling me or about the Orishas. When I was on my, in the early parts of my journey, you know, two to three years ago, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Something is with this, something I, I need to look into this. I need to study this. And she was the person that I came in to contact with online just from her videos that were extremely informative. Uh, if you haven't come across her in your research in the Orisha tradition, I know you have probably come across her memes. She is a meme maker extraordinaire. We actually didn't talk much about it in the interview, but she has, <laughs> she makes a bunch of like inside joke memes about, you know, ATRs and, and Ifa and, and the Orisha. So I'm sure you have probably come across an Alafia meme at least once. She really, her platform is so much about just speaking her truth. It is about talking about the ins and outs of of our tradition. And this is about the quote unquote good things and the quote unquote not so good things, the things that people you know, don't want to talk about, that they want to sweep under the rug, that we're not being as truthful as we should be about. And so I'm so grateful for Alafia's presence in just naming those things out loud and not being, I'm not going to say she's not afraid to do those things, but she just does it. And she does it with a lot of grace and she does it with humor and she does it in a way that is, it, it, it's just the truth because she gives a full picture of 
what is happening, you know? And I think in this interview, you'll see, you'll be able to get a better look inside of things that you should watch out for, you know, things that you should be doing, things that you want to steer away from. What is it like being in the traditions? You know, she was raised in this. So I'm just honored, so, so, so honored and grateful for her presence in this lifetime. Also for her sitting down with me and doing this interview because uh, she's, I know she's busy, but she's just so bomb. And like, I was trying not to fangirl the whole time because I, I look up to her in so many ways. So I'm going to stop running my mouth and we are going to get into this interview. I hope that you all enjoy and uh, look out for Lafia in the future. She about to pop off even more. I just feel it in my spirit. <laughs> all right, y'all enjoy this interview. Hi, Lafia. Hello, hello. Oh my Thank God, you for having so, me. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you. And I just have to say to my listeners, Alafi was the first person that really like introduced, introduced me to the tradition, to Orisha tradition. I mean, I was a Beyonce girl. So I was the one that was like, Orisha, I ain't never heard about this. But then Lemonade came out and then I was like, oh, let me do some research. And you were just one of the people that I found in my research and who was like pivotal in me taking my ass to the mat and now just being all that I am now. So I just have to say thank you for walking in your destiny because you are inspiring so many people, including me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I don't even know what to do. I did not expect that. (laughs) (laughs) My mouth is like wide open. (laughs) And I appreciate you for even saying that. That is incredible. I'm so glad that I Mm -hmm. was available to you at that time. Yep. Your videos, everything. So I'm encouraging folks to check out Alafia. We'll talk about that at the end, how to plug all your things. But I just had to say that because you... I mean, I'm like, you one of the people I got to thank for even taking this journey. So, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I won't distract us. We'll get into it. Okay. Okay. So I want to start off and just ask, who are you? You know, where are you from? What is your title? How do you identify? Who is Alafia? All right. Alafia is still trying to figure out who Alafia is, but to give you like a baseline, um, my name is Lafia Stewart. I am from deep East Oakland. All right. <laughs> California. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm an Iani Falshun. And, especially, and essentially that what that means is that I have the rites and passages of Ifa, um, just as a Babalawa would, and that my primary Orisha or the Orisha that I was initiated to first uh, is Oshun. So that's the technical term. But outside okay. of that, I am a beautiful mess. <laughs> yes, are we all? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so how did you um, get into this practice? I mean, I kind of know, but we just want to say for the listeners, how did you kind of find Orisha tradition in Ifa? Okay. Um, I actually was born into the tradition and it's super funny because my parents started out as Lukumi and Santeria practitioners. So it's a different mm-hmm. effect of Orisha worship. Mm-hmm. And then we transitioned into traditional practice when I was in high school. But yeah, I've been in this thing since birth. Wow. That's really powerful. So what was that like? I mean, just sort of growing up in a religion or tradition that's not the common one that you're not seeing around you that, you know, holidays or whatever special days aren't necessarily celebrated in the mainstream. What was that like? Mm, you want to know the good first? Or the I want to know everything. I want to know 
tell us the good first. <laughs> okay. So the good thing is that um so for myself and I and I think I've said this before, um, that my dad essentially was like, I am determined to give my children identity. Mm-hmm. And through Orisha worship, we had a very, very solid understanding of who we are, where we come from, and what our contributions to civilization have been as Black people in America. Right. And um, you walk different, talk different, and act differently when you know where you come from and when you have that sort of like foundation to go from. Like, can nobody tell you you're this if you knew, know yourself to be something else? Right, right. So that was definitely one of the benefits, but uh, some of the drawbacks, and I'll say drawbacks in a way that it's like, it's more social than anything because you don't go to church. And so if you are in a Christian environment primarily, and I was brought up being outside of Ile Omode Elementary School, which was Pan-African, outside of that, I was going to regular public school. So it was mostly Christians and Muslims. Um, and some Jewish folk. And so you got all these Abrahamic, Abrahamic faiths around and they don't get you. And for the ones that are really self-righteous, they are not in the realm of thinking to try to understand understand you or accept you as an equal. So there was a lot of bullying when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a part of a cult. You're this, you're that. Just really just, you know, kids being evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of stuff. But it, the good as an adult and looking back, the good totally outweighs the bad. But there are some drawbacks. And for parents that have children that are in the tradition, check in with them because it's real easy to not check in with them about that. Like, oh, how was your day? But have a specific conversation about what it's like for them if like they wear their alekes or they have their day, mm-hmm. if they're going through a year in white, if they're part of the Lukumi or Santeria sect, like talk with them specifically about that. Because sometimes I think that parents um, have so much going on mm-hmm. and ask a whole lot of questions about things like, how was your day? What did you learn? But like, there are very specific experiences that you have as a child growing up in this faith that I don't believe get addressed intentionally. Mm, that is such a good, I'm just so happy that you uplifted that because honestly, I never even th- would think that um, just like around the bullying and this needing to be something specific that parents are checking in with their children around, mm-hmm. um, like with the whites or the elekes, like, wow. Hmm. And so on the flip side of that, you know, I know that a lot of people are the opposite. They have, you know, they grew up in Abrahamic tradition, most likely Christianity. And now they are going to Orisha tradition or they're going to another African traditional religion and feeling that disconnect um, or even being bullied by their own families um, or by people that they love Mm -hmm. and and old friends. And so I'm wondering if you've ever experienced that too. I know you're like your parents practice, but did you have any sort of other family members where it was kind of difficult to connect with them because of the religious differences and beliefs? Oh yeah. And I don't know if my parents are going to kill me for talking about this, but my grandparents were on like the war path to try to convert the grandkids. And Mm -hmm. that caused a lot of family problems because it, it, I remember getting in trouble for something. Ooh, I had done something. I knew I was at fault, but I was going to play like I wasn't. <laughs> and um, when I had gotten in trouble, 
my grandmother gave me a picture of Jesus Christ and was like, you know, pray to Jesus to make sure that you, you know, don't get in trouble. And of course I still got in trouble, but it was little stuff like that. And it, it can be difficult because I think that that incident in itself caused like some major issues when my parents found out that that's what was done. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, now that I'm an adult and I probably, probably since I was a teenager, and this might be too much family business too, but <laughs> we worshipers had their shit together. So yeah. the rest of them couldn't tell us nothing. <laughs> it was just like, oh, when you going to come to church? Oh, when you going to reconcile this, that, and the third about show shit? Like maybe Ooh. you need to start paying attention to you. <laughs> right, right. So right. would you have, hmm, do you have any advice sort of for people who are feeling that kind of tension with family members and how to work through that as they are embarking on a new journey and, you know, digging into a different tradition? Right, right. Um, I mentioned this in one of my videos, but I advocate for folks to practice radical self-love, like your spiritual growth, you being your highest and best self, you being someone that you where you aspire to be better and better every day. In whatever context that looks like, whatever religion that looks like, should be your priority. And there are going to be people that you lose along the way, and that has to be an accepted truth. Not everybody is going to come with you on the journey. Not everybody's ready. You know, you might end up, like, for example, I have a homegirl that when I was in junior high school, she wasn't a part of Arisha worship, and now she is. So you never know how people will reintroduce themselves spiritually into your life. So just be prepared to lose motherfuckers because (laughs) if you're not, you're going to end up hurt and it's never going to be easy to lose them, but you need to be able to accept that that may happen and some may return and come full circle and some may not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just going to drop it on us like that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so real. Like you will lose people and that's some, like you said, that is just a truth that needs to be accepted as a part of this path and it just mm-hmm. is what it is. But then mm-hmm. there's, then there becomes so much room for other people and your ancestors and your spirits to like fill those gaps and, and you're going to be fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let them fill in those voids where people mm-hmm. won't fit because they are the intangible. So they will be okay. there regardless. Yes, 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 yes. Whew. Alrighty. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to go back because you mentioned a little bit how you grew up um, Lukumi and then um, in high school is when you went to traditional Isheshe. Can you can sort of just talk to what the differences are and maybe why that transition happened? Yeah. So um, I'm not sure why the transition happened. It was something that happened for my parents. And then naturally, as their children, we grow into whatever they're growing into. Um Let's see, uh, some differences between traditional practice and other sects. And I'm just going to talk from my very narrow experience. It's like growing up Lukumi, I have like a different perspective on traditional worship. And sometimes, and for me, um, I've encountered people that feel like you have to practice one or the other. Yes. And I am not that person. I'm the person that takes the gold from wherever it may lay. And then I just got a crap ton of gold in my hand, <laughs> no matter mm-hmm. what I'm practicing. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the major differences 
is the year in white. So um, iconically, us being in white with our leques and things like that, you'll see that in the media. And that is coming from the diaspora. That's not a part of traditional practice. Um, For someone to have to wear white for an entire year as the baseline, that's something you'll find in the diaspora and not in traditional worship. Not that it doesn't have its own merits because it definitely does. Like my brother did his year in white, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else? So another thing that you'll find in the diaspora is this super emphasis on your head Orisha or the Orisha that was the one that guided you into this experience from spirit realm to real life as a baby. And, um, In traditional practice, you'll see some emphasis, but definitely not as much as in comparison to what you'll see in the diaspora. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Something else. Uh, Let's see. Less restrictions and taboos. And this will be sort of like an insider conversation. If you're not familiar with Orisha tradition or Orisha worship in general, um, folks that become initiated uh, sometimes have things that they're no longer able to do. And it's for their health, their prosperity, just things to avoid in order to live their best life. And I noticed that traditionally there are less restrictions than you'll find in diasporic practices. And so, and that's for a plethora of reasons. So um, let me see. Yeah, that would be a whole conversation bites. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. <laughs> Uh, Hmm. Something else that's noteworthy is that in traditional practice, you don't get the same level of ancestor veneration. Not that you don't get any at all, but in diasporic practices, there is much more emphasis on connection with your ancestors, particularly your immediate ancestors, like having your ancestor altar and things of that nature. You won't find those as much in traditional practice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or in Nigeria in general. Uh, What else? There's also less of an emphasis to belong to a house, if that makes any sense. So in the diaspora, you'll see like a lot of elays and stuff. And these are the covenants, the spiritual houses and things of that nature. There's less emphasis on that in the traditional practice. Not that there's none at all, but there's less emphasis on that. And what I perceive to have been more emphasis on study and worship that happens in your home amongst you and your family, more of a family Mm -hmm bloodline related sort of relationship versus this spiritual relationship. Hmm. And I think that's out of necessity. That makes sense. Can you speak more to that? The necessity piece. So if you're in the diaspora, especially if you're an African-American, the likelihood that you would have the bloodline links to the traditional practices and the things that go on traditionally in those sort of rites and rituals is zitch. So, (laughs) Having an Ile or a spiritual family sort of fills in that gap. It sort of gives you an opportunity to engage, and it's more of a spiritual lineage versus a family lineage. Right, right. Hmm. My gears are like just turning in my head. I'm like, okay, which way can I take this? Because this is a, I'm just like thinking of so many things and how um, the expansion of Orisha tradition, to me, in my opinion, has is very beautiful and gorgeous and so necessary um, just because we have expanded as people and we are mm-hmm. a part of the diaspora. And so there are so many different ways to interact with the Orisha and to interact with spirit that may not look 
um, how we traditionally have done it because we're not the same people. Right. Um, we're in different lands. We're a part of different grids. And so that's just kind of what's come, been coming up as you just sort of been speaking to the differences and also you naming that, you know, there's a pot of gold here and a pot of gold there. And you just, why not just take the gold where, <laughs> where you exactly. can get it? Come on now. Come through with the coins. Yeah. Yeah. Come through with the coins. Right. Period. Right. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting dynamic to be in because when we look at it historically, the amount of Yoruba people specifically that had come to the Americas and landed in the Americas is very few in comparison to other places like right. Benin, Congo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. here alone. I'm trying to think back to my geography, but, you know, a lot of other groups. And so for this faith to have survived and triumphed, I think it speaks to the level of resilience that that this faith has been able yes. to showcase on many, many, many platforms. Mm-hmm. And there's also there's there's good and bad to the expansion. The good will always be the reconnection of self to indigenous practices and and worship that coming straight out of Africa and in in the way that it's manifested in the diaspora because I really do think that it's detrimental for people to worship in a way that is upholding oppressive practices from mm-hmm. that course I just don't I don't mm-mm, no yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know if that made sense but mm. it- it does. And it, it sort of speaks to, I guess, my next one of my next questions. I feel like you often sort of talk about <laughs> these things that are very much under wraps or people aren't having the conversations publicly around like what's going on in the Orisha in the tradition, what's really going on in Ifa mm-hmm. and the not so good, just the not so good things that happen in any religion, in any tradition. Right. Um, and so what sort of inspired you to sort of talk about some of these things, like you had some video about like wearing a leggings to the club, which is like something that some people say, oh, no, you can't do that. And some people are like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, and talking about colorism and talking mm-hmm. about white practitioners. What inspires you to sort of talk about these things publicly? Uh, it was actually divine for me to do that when mm-hmm. I was initiated to Ifa. Like, it was like, you need to speak to the people and you need to speak your truth to the people. And I didn't feel like I had anything to say. And <laughs> it turns out I did have quite a bit to say. And it was <laughs> nerve wracking at first because, you know, you don't want to rock the boat and yep. people are so sensitive about particular things. And then I just had to be reaffirmed. Like, if I just, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I mm-hmm. could be doing something else. But this mm-hmm. is really it. And there's always been, you know, Alafia, like my name, like a unanimous yes. Like you are doing the things that you're supposed to be doing because I do check with like, Am I supposed to stop? Am I supposed to go a different mm-hmm. route? And it's always been a yes to do these sort of things because unfortunately, <laughs> ill-informed, narrow-minded people rule the internet and misinformed people ruin the, rule the internet. And so I felt like if nothing else, if if not through laughter and comedy, through the memes that I create that for the conversations that I do have and the subjects that I do broach that I can try to mitigate the noise that's out there so that there's, you know, another, another resource of truth to the matter and not just a bunch of people's inferences and folks that are using all of their (laughs) 
influenced by Abrahamic religion to mm-hmm. present things as being fact traditionally and in Orisha worship. And it's just like, y'all, what happened to logic being louder than lunacy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened? I want to know too. I want to know. You find out, you let me know. <laughs> I'm going to text you, let you know. <laughs> but that uh, leads me to my next question. So, Mm. I have a lot of listeners um, and myself also who are part of the LGBTQ community. And I see people often talking about people who are in the tradition and who ain't in the tradition, people who are high priests in the tradition and who ain't just everybody having conversation around um, how LGBTQ folks fit in mm-hmm. Orisha worship and in tradition. And there's a lot of back and forth about it. Um, people are saying that it's not allowed and that it's can't, this and that's very binary. And other people are saying, sure it is. The original care about that. So I want to know your viewpoint and if you could just speak sort of to the LGBTQ community in regards to Orisha worship. So my message to the LGBTQ plus community would be come on over. Come over. <laughs> um, but come over with caution because the reality is that though spiritually I am 100% behind the fact that that your sexual orientation or how you identify has zero indicator on who you are as a person, your character, your spirit, your soul, like that doesn't matter. And I do not believe the Orisha are petty enough to, to hold that up as being a qualifier for salvation and for upliftment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're talking about human beings and we're talking about human beings that have ego, plenty of people out here that are totally okay with playing God in their own realm. And Mm. it's just like, that is a reality. That is something Mm. that is present, uh, doesn't seem to be going away. And so something that I'm seeing most recently in my life is there being LGBTQ plus um, spiritual houses, which I think is great mm-hmm. because then it provides a sort of understanding space. Um, but I will also say that we are in the traditional aspect of Orisha religion and devoteeism, there is this sort of binary conversation around it. And to be prepared for that binary conversation to have implications of women do this, men do this. Right, right. Right. And you'll see it throughout the Odus. There's very finite gender roles that are displayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something to take with a grain of salt, because even what we practice now is not what was practiced 100 years ago and definitely isn't what was practiced a thousand years ago and definitely isn't what was practiced pre-colonialism, no matter if mm. you're not a year of land. Right. So nothing that we do now has been untouched by colonialism. So take that as well. So, I mean, like, for example, uh, the Orisha Olokun, depending on what region of Yoruba land your lineage came from or whatever the case might be, Olokun might be male or female or both or neither. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. these kinds of things to keep in mind, um, that there is a presence of this sort of non-binary energy, but the way that people operate is the obstacle. Right. Right. That is indeed the obstacle. Cause I've come across some very essentially harmful rhetoric around, around this particular topic. And uh-huh. 
it's it's unfortunate how um you know I'm always uplifting African traditional religion but again it's the people and it's unfortunate how some of the people have projected a lot of um tainted colonial patriarchal energy onto our indigenous practices when there's mm-hmm. really just no space for that like there's just no space right <laughs> right and, and then it's like oh. on the other side of the pendulum that are pushing that you know things like that these that in order to have a not a totally non-binary conversation that they're not actually acknowledging the feminine and masculine energy right. so there's there's folks on both sides and it's really interesting to watch because then i feel like both parties lose out on the majesty because they want to limit and box and recategorize and label. And sometimes we need to just be okay with the fact that we are not in control. And, Mm -hmm. and that's just, that's a, a human condition. Yes. Yes. Affliction. There we go. Right. Right. I mean, and I'm glad you uplifted that too, because there are, you know, acknowledging the feminine and masculine is also part of the <laughs> the tradition as well. But then also recognizing that there are Orisha who are gender fluid or agender or can talk toggle between genders. And that's also true too. Like it all is. And like we need to incorporate it all and mm-hmm. not just Yeah, just everything that you said. Yes. <laughs> I said everything you said. Um <clears throat> so thank you for speaking on that. Um, You're I welcome. wanna also talk about some other things going on in the tradition, the tea that is also under wraps, which is, uh, you speak on this a lot, which is like scamming godparents (laughs) and how to be aware of what could be a scam, what is not a scam. I get a lot of people in my DMs and I'm sure people are asking you like, is this a normal amount to pay? Um, I got a Bible loud with my DMs telling me that I need to initiate. I don't know what to do. So can you speak to just can you just speak to all of that? What's going on with that? <laughs> okay. So we are not immune to scammers. You find scammers in every... Like, as long as salvation can be commodified, it will always be for sale. Ooh. Okay. So it's like, we are not immune. We get the same, same stuff that you'll find anywhere. And I think that um, some of it is actually our fault. <laughs> Speak to that. So us not being a, a mute to this sort of thing, we also are an oral tradition. We don't have a universally accepted Bible or equivalent text. You know what I'm saying? So there's yes. no um, universally accepted concrete, like this is what we do. And so it's open to a lot of evolutions and interpretations and inventions. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that um, there's there's a huge amount of gray area in between. So that also puts the onus on us collectively to be very responsible in what we communicate, not only to others, but to ourselves as to what truth is. Because I have heard on many an occasion things like my godparents are holding my Arisha hostage, you know, until I pay them like an exorbitant amount of money or stuff like I'm moving to another state and I need to set up my altar and my godparents want me to fly them out to my apartment to set up my shrine. That's bonkers. 
And it's something that is so sad to witness because one of the major red flags is that if you are in a spiritual relationship with someone where you're completely reliant on them for the maintenance of you spiritually, be, be, beware because it, it makes it so that you'll always have to engage with them, even down to the slightest small things. Like you don't need your godparents to set up your ancestor altar. You don't. You don't need your godparents to set up your Orisha altar either. You don't. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a situation where if there is this built-in sort of dependence upon them for everything that you do, I would caution against a relationship like that. Okay. I would also caution against any relationship that's not impaired, that's not... How do I say this without? Mm. <laughs> you know how you got to think on it. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> right. Uh, I would caution against any godparent, godchild relationship where there is not transparency and where money goes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not here to dictate how much somebody should charge because everybody's ashe, they dictate how much they charge for labor. But that labor should be indicated. This is what I charge for labor. This is what is being charged for animals. This is what's being charged for non-animal stuff that's contributing. Like, I think that every ELA or every spiritual house or anyone who offers services should also offer an invoice. Like, mm. break it down. Give line items. Yeah. And not only just it a good business practice, but it also re- affirms trust between yourself and your clients. <sighs> wow. Okay. So transparency um, with funds and a relationship that doesn't feel like you need your godparent to do everything that you're supposed to do spiritually is something Absolutely. that folks should um, look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Bob allows in the DMs? It, block deletes. <laughs> Block and delete, block, block, block and delete. <laughs> I would say report, but they're not good about following up on that. Like no. block and delete. So okay. something that really needs to be very, very clear, and I hope this announcement goes to everybody, it is against moral practice in Odu for Baba Laos to solicit. Mm. They should not at all. Like letting people know that they have services, say, through a bio, sure. Yeah. Somebody that's in your DMs telling you the kinds of things that they could do for you, Yeah. morally incorrect. Well, so you mean to tell me that all the Babalows that, that are in my DMs saying that, that Yamaja is blessing me and that I need to go through with initiation with them, that's not true, or that I have a curse in my yeah. lineage mm-hmm. and that they need to get it off? Okay. Block and, delete. Okay. Block and delete. Do not even engage is what I would say, because what, <laughs> again, salvation commodified, um, our religion is a cash cow and we mm-hmm. know that to be so. There are folks that are out here buying second and third homes from the money that they receive yes. from doing initiations. Okay. Yes. Not yes. primary residence, y'all. Second and third homes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And so understanding that it's just like, you know, there are opportunities for scammers to infiltrate. And so if somebody's approaching you with the things that they can do for you spiritually, that is an immediate red flag because that is not something that is a part of our tradition or in the diaspora. 
Nobody is supposed to be announcing what they can do for you. Hmm. Okay. And okay. definitely not in your DMs. So and not in the DMs. <laughs> not in the DMs. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Cause that is so common. People are always asking me that. Like, I'm I'm afraid because Ababala just said, I'm like, block, no, delete. No, they don't work like that. Oh, that's another thing. Fear-mongering. If you feel like you are being fear-mongered, that is not a healthy spiritual relationship to have with anybody. Mm, speak you on gotta it. do this or you'll die. Yes. Um, how about we good to do these good old prayers so that whatever I need will come in the time that it's supposed to. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. if there is an emergency, then that practitioner or that that diviner should be willing to do the kind of work to elongate the time. And then if it really is up against the wall, they should do the work. And then y'all work out a, a situation where the funds come in increments, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. But that's really, I caution against that. That's really a last resort. It's like, if you can't pay for all the spiritual work at one time, that's understandable. And you should be in a relationship where things can be decided on and then the work is done for you. And then for folks that do the work and they do it ahead of time and they're expecting that somebody is going to pay them back, like don't hold their shit hostage. That's morally incorrect too. Also, you need to be prepared for that kind of thing. And for folks that got the money, pay what you damn owe. Don't be sitting up here trying to be cheapskates. Like when people pay what they're supposed to pay and folks who can't afford more pay more, they open up the pool for folks that don't have the money to still be able to get their work done. And that's something that we don't really talk about. It's like pay what you're pay within your bracket. You know what I'm saying? And understand that. Just like taxes are collected from everybody for the public good, you might pay more than another person, but maybe that other person could not afford it. You know what I'm saying? They're coming from a different bracket. Mm-hmm. Glad that you brought up this like accessibility around financial things um, and money in this tradition, mm-hmm. um, because like you said, it's a cash cow for many, mm-hmm. for many buying multiple homes and able to do, I mean, have at it, go on vacations, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's people who need who need work, who it might be difficult for them to pay thousands of dollars to do mm-hmm. for, for goats and everything else. Um, so it's, it's uh, that's so important in just thinking about even sustaining our communities, like um, financially. Through paying within your bracket. Yeah. Um, and there was another video that you had. This is reminding me of that I want you to speak on. And you spoke like it was about like um like uplifting each other, like in the Ile or the spiritual house, like through find like a pool of money or mm-hmm. like something. Can you just speak to that? Cause I was like, wow, that's such a good idea. Ooh, and it just yeah. yeah, just yes, please, please just speak to the financial aspect. So our spiritual community, even though we're one of the top six largest religious faiths, connected faiths in the world, we don't have the same economic power as other organized religions. We don't. Mm -hmm. And so on a macro level, we can correct that simply through investing in our own spiritual houses. So when I did that video, I was talking about Susu lending and you'll find that in a lot of indigenous and traditional uh, and country areas, like folks that have not been inundated with this sort of like consumerist colonial mentality around how to get money. So like banks ain't going to fund everybody. 
we know for a fact that sometimes the way that we look or the way that we present ourselves or whatever our history with a particular uh, business venture might be, that we're not going to get funding. Some of us don't even get the time of day to get the, the interview slot for it. And so what Susu Lending does is that it brings a group of people together, a group of trustworthy people together. Everybody pays in the pot and then it's distributed every whatever the period is. Like, for example, um, myself and my cousins, we have one. And then every week we're putting in $50 every week, putting $50 in the pot. And so then what happens is in rotation, every quarter, somebody gets the pot. So this is thousands of dollars. So you've paid into this because this is like a in in informal savings, right? Yeah. Hmm. And so that money has been used to build websites, to put down payments on vehicles, to you know just uplift everybody. So this sort of informal lending circle. Mm. That's powerful work. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful work, especially for Black people to engage in, and especially for those of us who are in these traditions with other Black people around us and brown people around us mm-hmm. to be investing in ourselves in this particular way. Because I always think about these religions. There's so much like secularism, meaning like, okay, w- right now we're doing career, and then later we're doing spiritual stuff, and then later we're doing party stuff. All these things are actually just deeply connected. <laughs> They're all the mm-hmm. same thing. So our religion is not separate from how we're spending money with each other. It's not separate from what we're able to afford with each other. Our spirituality is not separate. It's just it's just another way to kind of build out community. Mm-hmm. And that's just so important that that incorporates so much more than like what we're doing religiously and spiritually, but like how are we living our day-to-day lives with each other and investing in each other and investing in ourselves, which is what this is about to me. What so much what this tradition is about is investing in ourselves. Oh, yeah, um, and, absolutely. And, yeah. And hmm. uh, for a shameless plug, <laughs> yes. this is exactly why I created jujusquare.com so that mm-hmm. we could, it was for us, by us. And that's this people of African traditional religions entirely. Like why spend money with other people when we can spend with each other? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, and why I was like, look at these, this smoke cleansing kit from, I forget where it was, some Sephora or something like that. I'm like, wow. Yeah, Sephora. Why would why on earth would anybody in our community decide to buy that? And then any other person, when there is an opportunity for us to be making that coin as practitioners, as people that actually live the lifestyle where something like this would be created. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so not Absolutely. only do we have, so Juju Square is like our version of Etsy. So you can get um, handmade goods, specialty stuff. And then on top of that, we also have a divination section. So for folks that offer services from tarot readings to bones throwing to pendulums to all all kinds of stuff so that there is this space where it's like, okay, this person does this thing and it's not solicitation. It's an announcement like this. is These are the services that I provide. And so somebody that's looking for those particular services will now have a directory full of people as the website grows. And these are folks that are in community. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do sell on Juju Square, y'all. Well, I did. I, I sold out of my stuff, but I am a Juju Square member. But I didn't I actually didn't know about the um services around the divination thing. So hmm, mm-hmm. I gotta get on up there. Yep. Okay. It was something that came from my mom. Actually, she was like, 
I know that you're focused on goods, but let's talk about these services right quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, check out Juju Square. I wanted you to plug. We're going to plug everything at the end. Um, but I did want to ask one more question. Sure. Um, so uh, I feel like all my one questions always branch out to like five questions. But so yeah, if someone right who here. is interested, <laughs> someone interested in the tradition, they're like, okay, this is interesting to me. I feel called. I feel pulled. I feel connected to an Orisha. You know, what? what are your next steps? and suggestions around folks who might be feeling that or who might want to set up an altar to a or to an Orisha because they feel connected. Okay. I would say to be cautious of whatever connection that they feel because it's influenced like by real world stuff, not spiritual realm stuff. Like for example, I get a lot of people that say that they have an affinity for Oshun and then they set themselves up to be very, very disappointed if that is not the actual Orisha that helped them make it to this world. You know what I'm saying? It's not the one that they should be channeling their prayers to primarily. Right. Like folks will say stuff like, you know, I want to know what my head Orisha is. And that's another difference in the traditional practice versus the diaspora. There's way more emphasis on a head Orisha in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. That Hedorisha is supposed to be the one that like helped to guide you safely into this existence. And right. as important as they are, you will need all of the Orisha at some point in time. So knowing who your Hedorisha is great, but not to the point of obsession. You know? Okay. Yeah. Not to the point mm-hmm. where you're just like, this is the only Orisha that I pay attention to because that that that's limiting your blessings. And also limiting your understanding of the faith in its totality because the Orisha are very complex. There's a human aspect. There is an existence aspect. There is a, you know, a, a nature aspect to them. Mm-hmm. There's don't limit yourself or set yourself up for disappointment by saying, I feel this affinity. And then that's all you focused on. Because then, especially for folks, and it's always Oshun in my experience that folks want to be akin to. It's always Oshun. And it's just mm-hmm. like, yes, I get it, but mm-hmm. I, I totally get it. But I don't think that it's healthy to approach it in that way. Okay. So what should people do if they feel that affinity? What's the next step? So I would say that the next step is to just research in general. There is some foundation information that is correct about what Orisha worship is. Like the Wikipedia article is eh, pretty all right. Mm-hmm. And then... I would caution folks to really sit and have a conversation with themselves because what I've noticed is that folks will be introduced very minimally and then decide that they want to get initiated. That is the quickest way for you to get scammed out of your entire life. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. Because when you do that, you're coming from a place of desperation. People are like, oh, I can do that for you because your question is, oh, how do I get initiated? That's That should never be your first question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it opens you up to really predatory practices and we want to avoid that. It's like, there's got to be some research involved. So I would say, got this affinity, research who the Orisha are in totality and not just the one that you feel this affinity for, but what the religion is in its totality. Like what is you should have a basic understanding of the framework of what Orisha worship is as a religious identity. Right. And then after that, if you still want to rock with us, then I would go ahead and either visit your nearest botanica. So the the thing okay. about visiting your nearest botanica, it's like the barbershop. 
Mm -hmm. the place where you get a lot of your information. Now, I would say visit your Botanica, but the the limitations around that is that Botanicas are popping up all over the place that are not owned by us or run by us. Well, so when you fall into that, mm, there's not a guarantee that you're going to get the information that you need. Um, I would look for local groups. Um, but the thing about it is it, like, look for study groups. If that makes any sense, like use keywords that will help you get the information you need without opening you up to predatory practice. You see what I'm saying? Cause if you say I'm trying to find a spiritual yeah. house where I can get work done, everybody in a mom's got a suggestion because it's a relationship with your coin instead of a relationship with your spiritual well being. Right. Right. So if you're saying, you know, I'm looking for a study group, does there happen to be anything in this area? That is a much better way to initiate the conversation around what is available in your locality. Okay. And I would only do that if you haven't researched already, especially major cities like Philadelphia, New York, uh, Miami. There are entities that are that have an Internet presence. So I would definitely make sure to figure out what's available in your locality through a search first before just asking random people in an Arisha group on Facebook because <laughs> the way your DMs will get lit up. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and that's just a more cautious, it's just about being cautious, you know, mm-hmm. of, of everyone and what people are saying that they can offer and how do they know that they can, mm-hmm. you know, that was this divine doing. Um, but yes, right, definitely. Exactly the research aspect for sure. And, you know, I also get a lot of people who ask me, you know, I need, like, how do I find an elder? And so was that sort of the similar information that you would say for someone who's just looking for an elder or feel like they're ready, but just like, I don't know anyone around me. And if you don't know anyone around and you feel like you're ready, don't approach it as you being ready for an elder. Approach it like you would dating. Like, Hmm. Look around, have some questions, feel somebody out, you know, because it'd be like, okay, I'm looking for this particular elder or I'm looking for an elder. You get directed to this person. Don't latch on to that person right away. They might not be a good fit for you in your journey in life. They might not align Mm -hmm. with your destiny. They might be the stepping stone to some other place. And so it's like, don't be married to the idea out the gate. Just date, research. Um, I'm trying to think of, so the owner of Spiritual Bath Tea, um, she's on Instagram and she's on Facebook, Terry Gonzalez. Like she put together a comprehensive book list that I think has probably been the best that I've seen so far. And I featured her book list on my page. So if you go to my page and you go to search through posts and you put book list, it'll come up. So that'll be a really good way to, you know, have at least some book knowledge to go by. Mm, okay, thank you for sharing that resource. I never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. I will put all this in the show notes. Um, okay, I just have to ask this other question because you you said the word relationships, and I was like, okay, I want to ask about relationships real quick. <laughs> Go right ahead. So, <laughs> uh, you made a video on Instagram. I think it was on IGTV, and you talked about a friend of yours who I think was just going through a breakup or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but divination 
or or spirit had confirmed that this was a relationship that was okay to be in or like it was a spiritually supported relationship, but it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people, I mean, even myself, <laughs> have just gone through experiences. It was like, well, I'm divine doing this person. And they said this was supposed to work and it didn't work. So what's going on? Uh-huh. And can you just kind of speak to, can we like tease that out a little bit that, that it's just a little bit more than that? Yeah, so um, at least for for Dafa readings, for traditional readings, like the the information, not that it's only valid for 16 days, but that 16 days is like where it's the most potent. So if you were to ask the same question later on, it might not be the same answer. And that's why I tell people, especially, so you don't have to divine for everything, but if you're, if there are life things that are happening, like you're trying to figure out whether or not you're going to marry somebody, mm-hmm. that kind of, those are the kinds of things that you would divine on. Otherwise, date them like a normal person. And then if it's right. serious, then go ahead and do some divination to see like what are the kinds of obstacles, pitfalls, things that you need to be aware of or potentially avoid. I don't ask about people that I'm dating unless I'm trying to be serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I, I might not want to know the answer. Maybe I want to have why. a little bit of fun. <laughs> exactly. You know? <laughs> or in the same breath, there might be somebody that, <laughs> this ain't me, but, you know, I might be enamored <laughs> with and I just want to, you know, elongate whatever this engagement is for however and not get the reading because I could potentially be told that this is not the right person to be with. Exactly. Right Exactly. You don't even want to know the answer. Just want to enjoy it (laughs) while it's there. Listen, when you get a divination, do not ask questions you are not prepared to know the answer to. Because then the responsibility is completely on you for what you do after that. So are you prepared to take on that responsibility? Right. 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 Yeah. And just because Spirit says something is cool in a moment, it's like, you know, I always talk about like being specific even in divination because... Mm -hmm. I had a partner and it was, you know, spirit was like, yeah, they cool. But I never asked like, okay, but is this cool to be my partner? Like, is this cool for someone that I need to be romantically involved with? I was just asking generally, are they a good person? Like, yeah, but they're not a good person for you. And I asked that if they were good for me. I just asked if they was okay. (laughs) So (laughs) just, um, you know, I just know everyone always wants to know about relationships and things. And when you posted that video, I was like, yeah, like it's 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 more than just in a moment spirit saying something is cool. Like, are you doing the work? Mm-hmm. What if you know how? Yeah, it's just a lot. So and then be you. very specific you. because good is relative, right? Exactly. exactly. Good is relative. Exactly. Somebody's like, oh, this is a decent person, and and because of the you have not been clearly defining what decent is, like that doesn't mean that that person doesn't right. have a short ass temper. Exactly. Like right. Raise their hand to you, and you gotta knock them fucking down. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you know any of these things. So when you say is this a good person, like is this a good person for me in this and this right. and this and this aspect? Exactly. Exactly. What is good? Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Because yes. all of it is relative. Like people have mm-hmm. a problem. Like for example, there are a lot of drug dealers in our tradition. A lot. Yes, there are. A lot. A lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, how are these people a part of this tradition? Because good is relative. Yep. Good is yep. relative. If their highest and best self is to be a kingpin, who are you <laughs> to interject? <laughs> 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 
And people get confused about that because they're looking for this sort of Abrahamic faith. These are the rules that you have to live by or you'll be smitten that cow or smote or whatever the it is. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, nah, that's not, we don't, that's, that's not what we place it. So it's like, and understanding Arisha worship in general, like there is balance. And then for every action, there is a reaction. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just like, there is just as much good as there is perceivably bad. And it's just how you define it. Exactly. Exactly. And there's no, this, this is also reminding me of your other post of, um, with 21 Savage and just sort of talking about respectability politics right. and it's just no space again in this tradition. If somebody's a kingpin, then that's their, that's their, <laughs> that's their journey and their destiny. And, you know, Hey, it's like, who am I to speak on that or, or decide what someone else is doing is quote unquote good or bad. Right. Exactly. Because the divination will speak. The divination yes. will speak like, this is not good for you. Yep. You know, and your, this is not an alignment with your destiny in particular. And you know, my, who my folks, my kindred, my people, they get on my nerves with this kind of mess. Because there's this idea, and even though the numbers don't lie, so the, the the Arisha Community Development Corporation sent out a survey, and African-American practitioners actually end up being folks that have four-year degrees and higher. Like, that's the inclination. And I was like, yeah, because that's probably how they were introduced to the faith in these sort of higher learning spaces. But that's not everybody and should not be held as the standard of everybody. And it should not be automatically assumed that because you're a practitioner that you're woke and intelligent. And it should never be assumed that if you're not a <laughs> and if you're not an academic and still in this religion in this religion that you don't have just as much validity in this space. You earn just at the table from birth and can nobody nobody can tell you shit. Nobody can tell you that you're unworthy to be an Arisha tra- practitioner because again that's playing God and that's something that that folks really have a problem with. Mm. Lafia, <laughs> you took us to the church today. You took us to the Ile. You took us to the Bembe. You took us all the way around today. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And for anybody um, that has a problem with what I had to say, take it to the altar because I am not responsible for your feelings. Ooh. <laughs> and that's on period. So, uh, <laughs> um, can you please plug all of your things? How can people find you? How can we connect? How can we buy things from Juju Square? Let us know all the things that you're doing. Yeah. So if you're looking for spiritual goods and services and you want to buy in community, that's jujusquare.com. Um, we're looking to revamp and we've been doing this time and time again, Arisha Connect. And Arish Connect used to be a dating website whoo, that I built for myself. <laughs> like talking about. But we couldn't get people to interact. So we're trying to figure out a way to do that and maybe not put a dating spin on it, but something different so that people can engage at their leisure. Um, what else? I am on Facebook and Instagram. I, I am also quite introverted in that I have only chosen two ways to communicate. Like if I had another social media profile that I had to keep track of, there would be nothing in it. <laughs> right. So I am not on Twitter. So how do we find you? <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> on Facebook and uh, what's your Instagram? My Instagram is zero viva alafia. But if you type out alafia, you should be able to get me as the first rung in all of the searches. Hey, 
okay. And all of this will be in the show notes for folks. Um, Alafia's tings. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Thank you so, so, so much. This was such a good interview. I really, I learned a lot and I just appreciate you always being so forthcoming with the information and not being stingy with the information and just being very, um, just loving and thoughtful just with everything that you do and funny. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you're just so amazing. Like I just, could sing your praises all day. Truly, you have taught me so, 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 so much. And I'm so, so touched to hear that because here I am stalking you on all the social media. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, what? Let's turn that around. Because what you've been doing has been incredible. It's just been incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, I hope that you have a good rest of your day. I will see you on the gram and all on right. the book and everywhere and just really excited to see this Orisha Connect come back through for us. Man, look, <laughs> so look, dating connect. is hard. Dating is hard. You already yes. got to filter through all kind of shenanigans. Ooh. And so I was trying to eliminate one shenanigan, but it, tur- it turned out to be a whole <laughs> open Pandora's box full of other stuff. Like, why is everybody lurking? Like, you know, you like them, say something. Just say something. Say something. Shoot your that. Look, they wasn't ready for Arisha Connect back then. You was you was thinking ahead. You was before your time. We ready now. We ready. See, I was thinking, you know, I need me a little boo thing, and you know, this dating outside the culture is a, is a, is a problem. You know, <sighs> I want somebody to not ask me no questions about them damn right? in my car. Okay, <laughs> I want them not to ask me no questions. Like, why is this candle still burning? Mind your business. Like, I need somebody right. that's gonna know. Exactly. No, when I sit up there, when I'm like, okay, we putting this in the bath water, this in the bath water, this in the bathroom, they like, cool. You know what I'm saying? Do I rinse after? I want somebody to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't need all these extra questions. I'm just like, you know, it, it don't make no sense. You are a trip. But see, that's why we're ready because we're all experiencing it. I'm experiencing it, especially as more people are coming into the culture. They're like, now, wait a minute now. How am I supposed to date doing all the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing now? Look, so we're ready. We're ready, I sis. I'm so glad. I'm so glad because folks was not ready. They was lurking. We're ready. We're ready. Lurking, lurking. And I was like, y'all ready don't have to ask me to do all of this to keep this free 99. Mm-hmm. No, we well, I'll now. come back to it because it's necessary. It's really necessary. And then on top of that, whatever I'm doing, is somebody who's listening to this podcast, don't take it as somebody else is already doing it because you might do it better than me and I will be 100% behind you. Do that. Mm-hmm. Do that. I don't believe in competition. I'm in competition with myself. So if somebody else has an idea, something that they want to put out there, say something, do something. Yeah. Ask yep. for support. You know what yep. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not a GoFundMe for an elder that has passed away that didn't have no life insurance. Don't send me that. <laughs> that's that's not support. It's not the kind of support I'm trying to do. I'm trying to eliminate why we don't have like, you know, some insurance agent in the community that's mm. putting out videos that talks about how insurance works. You know, people buy whole houses with insurance. Mm. Pay for college with insurance. Yeah. Oh, All right, that's another yeah. We have another interview that talks about because I we will give two. all of it away. All of my ideas, I'm going to give them away. <laughs> I just need somebody else to pick it up and to run with it and to do it and or do what I'm doing better than me. We can all mm, do that. We can. We got to work together. We have to. Absolutely. It's it's non it's non negotiable at this nope. point. 
I mean, it's 2019. We about to get into 2020 vision and it's, um, it's real. We need to be on top of it and we need to be on top of supporting each other. If we have any, any shot at surviving the capitalism. Alafia, I wasn't ready. Like (laughs) I I was not prepared to just, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is going to touch a lot of people. And I'm trying, I know somebody going to take some ideas and they're like, okay, yeah. Okay. We ready. We ready. We ready to move some things. So thank you for being that voice. I'm for community elevation. Yes. All right, Ashe. And on that note, thank you again so, 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 so much. So much love to you and blessings to you always, 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 always. Thank you for having me. So I hope and pray you all enjoyed that lovely interview with the lovely Alafia. Um, All of her information, again, will be in the show notes and so will mine. So if you want to reach out to me, my Instagram is I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. So it's Jujubay and it's also the same thing on Twitter. And I am Jujubay, just J-U-J-U-B-A-E on Facebook. You can also hit me up in the email at thejujubay at gmail.com. If you have any media requests, you want to interview me for something, I was just interviewed for or sex kiki so i'll put that in the show notes but uh, it was about sex magic so you can check that article out i was also interviewed for a class let's see i'm trying to get flued out you know if there's different conferences coming up if you would like to invite me to your school to sort of talk about atrs this tradition hoodoo ancestors pretty much anything that i talk about on this podcast i would love to do that so you can do all of that and any other type of request you can hit me up on my email um (laughs) i think that's it i'm excited for pod and live it's weird i haven't been to pod and live yet as i'm recording but when you all hear this pod and live would have already happened so i'm speaking that i had a great time and that i met some listeners in that space and we got to connect and everything so yeah i'm yeah i think that's it i'm excited i'm happy and sending blessings to you all we'll talk in the next couple weeks and uh remember all you need is a little juju oh yeah you can book a session with me i'll be forgetting chap <laughs> you can book a reading with me on my website at itsjujubay.com and okay yeah i think that's actually it all right y'all all you need is a little juju later